You're listening to Gruesome and Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Gruesome and Unnatural. I'm Shelly. And I'm Eric. And this is episode 53. And thanks for not messing me up this time, Eric. <laughs> Anyways, hello, my, my gruesome addicts. Thanks for joining us for another episode. And let's just get right into it. Let's dive in. Ready? Kim Wall was born March 23rd, 1987 to Ingrid and Joachim Wall. And according to BBC.com, she, quote, grew up in a close-knit community in the small town of Trelleborg in southern Sweden, just across the strait, dividing Denmark from Sweden. She lived with her parents, her older brother Tom, and their dog. Growing up, Kim's parents were journalists, so she thought it was super interesting, so she too wanted to become a journalist. Wait, wait, no address? No, no address. Oh, all right. I could not, I didn't even think about that. Why did I think about this episode? <laughs> nope, no address in this one. Sorry. So Kim had studied in Paris as well as at the um, London School of Economics and Political Science, and then she attended Columbia University School of Journalism in New York, pursuing her master's in journalism and internal affairs. Kim loved to travel so much that she had been all over like the world, from Uganda to Cuba to the Marshall Islands to Kenya to New York City. Like She just loved to travel. Obviously, she was a journalist, so, you know. After graduating, she landed a job as a freelance journalist writing for Time, South China Morning Post, The Guardian, The Atlantic, The New York Times, Vice, Huff Post, Harper's Magazine, and just many, many more. Damn, sure for a lot. Yeah, so she covered many stories, and some even led her to like dangerous locations, but she was willing to do so because she loved her job so much, you know? In 2016, Kim went to go explore and report on climate change and nuclear testing on the Marshall Islands, in which she was awarded the Hansel Mythe Prize for Best Digital Reportage. Back at home, she had actually met a man by the name of Ollie, and the two began dating. They were living in Copenhagen, Denmark, but Kim loved Beijing so much that after talking about maybe moving there, Kim and Ollie agreed and decided to permanently live in Beijing, China. Crazy. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Weeks prior to their move, Kim came across this guy named Peter Madsen, who was an inventor who had built his own rockets and actually three submarines at the time. Kim really wanted to get an interview with this man, so she reached out to him, and he agreed to take her on the, his submarine called the Nautilus. 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 The Nautilus? <laughs> the Nautilus. And so that way she can interview him, right? So let me give you a little background on Peter. Peter. Peter Matt. Oh. Peter. Peter. Okay. Peter. Peter Madsen. He was born in 1971 in Denmark to Annie and Carl Madsen, who were actually 36 years apart. His parents. Yeah, so crazy. She actually had three other boys prior to meeting Carl. And uh, I mean, you know, and to having Peter also because they had Peter together. Their only child together pretty much. (laughs) Carl was very abusive towards the stepsons. And when Peter was six years old, his mother actually left Carl and she took all the boys. But after a while, Peter wanted to live with his father. He actually claimed like I was watching this documentary that he said like his mother was stupid and that she'd rather that he would just like rather live with his father. It's just like, yeah, it just seemed like he might have a little bit of mommy issues, maybe. And that's why he just wanted to live with his father. I don't know. But they actually had a lot in common, him and his father, like such as like rockets. And like that was like a huge reason he wanted to move in with his father because they had a lot more in common. 
While in school, Peter developed an interest in rocket fuel and ended up developing his own rocket and launched it on March 1986. It went up to 330 feet before crashing. He ended up moving to a youth house after his father had passed away when he was only 18 years old. But this didn't stop him from exploring his passion. So he ended up joining a rocket club and not really finishing a school, but he did take on classes like in welding and engineering to learn more about inventing new things, something that he really loved to do. He went on to build more rockets and even wanted to build his own submarines, although he didn't really have much money to do so. So a lot of the money came from support from like people that believed in him, as well as organizations and volunteers that were interested in his work. Um, he was part of like co-founding different things and then he kind of like got kicked out of one of them, I think. And then he built his own like rocket Madsen like company or whatever. But anyway, so yeah, he ended up building three submarines. One was called the UC-1 Freya. The second one was UC-2 Kraka. And the third one was UC-3 Nautilus. The last one, the Nautilus, was a privately built midget submarine and it was launched May 3rd, 2008 in Copenhagen, Denmark which it took three years to build, and it cost around $200,000. This is nothing like the submersible <laughs> that <laughs> took people to the Titanic that had a fucking game controller to control the thing, which I thought was wild. So the Nautilus was Fake 50... news. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Nautilus was 58 feet long, or 17 meters, and it was the world's largest privately built submarine at the time, and it could hold up to about four people. So Peter had a workshop where he had many like men who had volunteered to help him with all like these inventions and stuff. So on August 10th, 2017, just six days before Kim and Ollie are going to make their move to Beijing, she gets a text from Peter telling her to meet him at the Copenhagen dock at 7 p.m. so he can take her on the sub or, you know, the submarine so she can interview him. Kim agrees, although she had to ask Ollie if it was OK that he sets up the party for that night as they were having friends and family over for like dinner as like a last kind of goodbye, you know, like mm -hmm. leaving, we're going to be leaving Denmark and going to Beijing. So Ollie agrees and they just say that they'll, you know, push it back a little bit. They'll celebrate when she gets back. It's fine. It's not going to be that late. She's only going to be gone for two hours. So Ollie takes her for the 30 minute drive to the dock. And there's when she meets Peter on the way there, though, she gets a text from Peter saying, quote, this ship is ready and is in good shape. Just waiting for the wired reporter, unquote. Kim replies, quote, amazing. I'm only a few minutes away, unquote. Wired, by the way, was the magazine she was working for. And that's what he meant by okay. Wired. Yeah. They, so Ollie brings her to the dock and they, you know, say goodbye. I'll see you soon. And just as Ollie is leaving, he snaps a picture of Kim on the top of the deck of the submarine. Like she, he watched her get on it. You know, Peter, you know, they're both on it. And then uh, there's also something about, I guess, a ship had been passing by the same time that they were like about to go in the water and stuff. So there's actually a video of it too. So I don't know if it's like a screenshot from that video, but I also read that he took a picture like of her, you know, being on it. Either way, there's a picture of it and I'm definitely going to post it on like all my social medias and stuff so you can see it. It's a little nice. eerie, like maybe once you know the whole story. But anyways, Ollie gets a text shortly after dropping her off and she's on the sub and stuff. And um, she texted, quote, I'm still alive, by the way, but going down now. And another text she wrote, quote, he brought coffee and cookies. And then the last um, text was, I love you. It was now 11 p.m. So Ollie's like, oh, I got to go pick up Kim. She's done with her interview. You know, he rides back the dock, but there's no Kim. There's no Peter and there's no submarine. So he didn't really panic at first because he realized that like some of these interviews that she's done in the past have gone well over, you know, the time that she expected it to be. So he wasn't really worried. But when there was still no sign of the submarine, or Peter, or Kim, at around like 2.30 a.m., he decides to call the Coast Guard and reports Kim missing. 
About an hour later, large search parties are out looking for them. There's helicopters, there's boats in the water, and they're trying to locate, you know, the submarine, which is obviously kind of tough, you'd think, trying to find something that's underwater. A lot of people had heard about the submarine going missing, but they only thought Peter was in it. They didn't really, like, really know that there was a journalist with him. They just thought he took like a solo trip. Um, but then there was also people that had heard that there was a journalist on there, but they didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a mystery. It wasn't until 11 a.m. the next, the following day on August 11, 2017, that the submarine finally like resurfaced. But it was like kind of sinking in a way. Like it was still like underwater and it looked like it was sinking. On the top deck was Peter, so they were able to get a small boat out there to rescue them, you know, right as the submarine was, like, about to fully go underwater. And as it was going underwater, Peter jumps into the water and swims over to the boat. But he's just by himself. Many people said that Peter had, like, a weird, unnaturally relaxed feeling to him. Because, like I said, Peter swam to the boat, but there was no Kim. So everyone was like, dude, where the fuck is Kim? (laughs) Like, you went underwater with her. Like, Peter keeps saying that everyone on board is fine, though. He keeps saying that everyone on board is fine. So that's kind of weird. As they finally get to the shore, different people are recording him. I think there was like some news station and one person is recording him and he just gives a thumbs up. And then in like another instance, he says, I have to, I have a few things I need to fix. Meaning like he needs to fix a few things, on, but it's sinking. It's going to the, you know, so, but apparently he needs something. He needs to fix something on this submarine. So another video shows Peter walking with police as they asked him what had happened. And Peter replies, quote, I'm fine. I'm a little sad. The man says, quote, do you feel sad? And Peter says, quote, this is obvious. Seeing the Nautilus go down was extreme, but that's all right. Weird. It's just weird things he's saying. He kept blaming the sinking submarine on a a valve failure. So then Peter tells someone else that he was the only one in the ship before getting into the back of a police car. So he's just like all over the place, right? He's telling people, everyone's fine. I was by myself. And then he was like, you know, I was the only one there. (laughs) Like, just like, what? So authorities actually arrested Peter on the spot and held him on a 24-day hold on a charge of negligent homicide of Kim Wall since the submarine sank without ever recovering her body. So now they're questioning Peter, like, hard, because they're like, where did she go? Like, what happened to her? You know, they both went on the sub together, so what's what's the explanation here, right? So finally, Peter starts talking and tells police that he had actually dropped her off the night that night around 10 p.m. at a local restaurant, which was not their plan, right? Because Ollie's supposed to come back and pick her up this exactly, dog. So yeah. it's like, yeah, so he makes up this, this story of dropping her off. And now people are thinking, like, perhaps maybe he did drop her off and then something happened to her and she went missing, right? So it's like people are trying to figure out what's going on. So something that you love, right? Good old CCTV footage. Yep. Yes. So they went looking for that. And when they checked all the footage, there was no sign of Kim, like whatsoever. So they knew he's lying. The next day, they were actually able to recover the Nautilus and they took it out of the water in order to look over the sub and see if there was any indications as where or what happened to Kim. One week into the investigation, Kim's family came out with a statement saying, quote, we are experiencing the worst days of our lives. No one can imagine what we are going through. Kim has worked in many dangerous places in her work as a journalist, and there have been many times we've worried about her. That something could have happened in Copenhagen, just a stone's throw away from her childhood home, is something we never could have imagined, unquote. It's crazy, like, you know, it's true. She's been to all these crazy places, you know, being a journalist, and it's like something like this happens Pretty much like in her backyard, yeah. like where she grew up. It's like, it's kind of scary. 
So they actually did find blood inside, but there was no sign of Kim. So back to Peter they went to get reasoning as why, you know, there's blood inside the submarine and her jacket was also found inside. So they're like, dude, we need, <laughs> you need to tell us more. There's something going on here. So this is when Peter's uh, story changes once again. Peter claims that Kim had accidentally hit her head on the hatch door, which had weighed about 155 pounds or 70 kilograms. According to him, he's holding the hatch right to the door to get in, accidentally drops it, hits her on the head. She gets a fractured skull, you know, her skull's fractured. And so he didn't know what to do after that. So he tried to like, you know, she was, he said that she had died. She was dead. So he was trying to uh -huh. get her out of the submarine, but he couldn't. It was just too much for him. So um, he decided to dismember her. Okay. So it was easier for him and that way she could be buried at sea. Peter's just like all over the place, right? He's trying to cover up something, it seems like. It's very weird. So on August 21st, 2017, a bicyclist came across a woman's naked torso with no head and no limbs. So Peter's story of dismembering her kind of made sense now that the torso was actually identified belonging to Kim Wall. Just a little sketch. It's all weird. So now the search for all the rest of her body was underway, and it was around 56 days later that they came across two trash bags that had been weighted down by heavy metal objects at the bottom of the ocean. Inside these bags were a head, limbs, clothes, a saw, and a knife. After DNA tests, it was concluded that they had found the rest of her body. It was her. It was Kim Wall. Upon an autopsy, they discovered 15 stab wounds to the groin area, but there were no injuries to her head, showing that Peter was actually lying because he said that she got hit in the head. They yeah, did, they, exactly. There was no sign of her having any fractured skull or her getting hit in the head or anything. Did you so, say stabbed in the what? In the groin area. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a fucking freak. I know. Fuck you, Peter. I know. This guy's so disgusting. He's fucking disgusting. Fuck you your submarine. Um, they also found bind markings on her limbs during her autopsy. So a press conference was held the following day, and this is what was stated. Quote, yesterday to start off with, in the morning we found a bag in which we found Kim Wall's sweater, socks, and shoes, and in the same bag we found a knife and metal to keep the bag down. Later in the day we found a leg and then another leg, and shortly thereafter we found a head, which was also in a bag weighed down by several pieces of metal. Quote. He had it, like, intentionally, by the way. He had intentionally sunk his, the submarine like it's kind of noticeable at this point right like i think he wanted I, i'm just assuming that he wanted to hide evidence yeah so he's course. so he intentionally sunk it so so now this is the third time that peter is changing his story as to what happened on august 10th 2017 he was stating that while on the top deck the hatch was like stuck this time. You couldn't get it open. And he noticed that there was like carbon monoxide leaking inside of the sub where um, Kim was. And he was trying to get it open. He couldn't. And then like 10 minutes later, he found her dead. He uh, magically was able to open it <laughs> and was able to go down there and realize that she was dead. So in respect to her parents, he dismembers her and buried her at sea. In respect. <laughs> Who would do that? I don't know. This guy's fucking disgusting. He pisses me the fuck off. I hate this fucking stuff. For being an engineer and building rockets and submarines, this guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. It's funny you say that because they were saying like later on, if like this guy wasn't so like, I guess, quote unquote, smart with his like inventions and everything, like he would be nothing. <laughs> like he would just like nothing. Yeah. Fuck you, Peter. Yeah. And your submarine. Peter sucks. 
In, back in 2016, a woman by the name of Emma Sullivan, uh, she was on YouTube. She's going down like some crazy rabbit holes and she came across Peter Madsen's TED talk about submarines and she wanted to film mm-hmm. him about, about it. So she reached out to him and he replied saying that he would love to do this project. And so they began. She began kind of doing interviews with him, filming everything he's doing at his workshop and everything. Um, she actually directed In Too Deep. That's on Netflix. Don't worry, nothing happened to her. She's just a director. And so there's a lot of clips of him, like a lot of stuff prior to the murders. And she didn't even do this documentary because obviously she didn't expect this to happen. It's just like this. And it, it seems like watching an interview of her, it's like she seems really upset because she's like, this was not the outcome of her documentary. Yeah. Right? She wanted to do something completely different. And she's just like so upset that that's how it turned out. But it's, it's wild. You got to watch it if you haven't seen it. Later on, we're going to find out that this little documentary may have helped in the Peter Madsen case. So, actually, um, I'm going to say it right now because <laughs> I forgot that I have put it right now. So, <laughs> in one of the scenes, damn, I wanted to wait. <laughs> Shut up. In one of the scenes of her filming him, there's actually a saw in the background with like an orange handle on it. And so, after Kim was murdered, she went back and just to review some of this footage, uh, not knowing oh, what she no. was going to find. But she notices later that when she went back, actually, actually went back to his workshop and she notices that this saw was gone and it was actually the one that they ended up finding. Yes, it was the exact same one. So she like helped put him in prison just because of this footage. I thought was fucking crazy. Didn't mean to spoil that for you. But um, here's actually a clip of Peter Madsen talking to Emma while she was filming him for like the documentary. Five, four, three, two. One, zero. Lift off. And let that be everything I have to say about the matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got that conversation out of the way. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, and well, you do that's know, a chapter we don't need to revisit. No, but now we know it's there. And I can tell you, and no comparison, I've been very honest in this, and I've been a little bit too open maybe, but um, one perspective would be and this is as much me just asking you as, as ordinary people. You're aware of the fact, maybe, that psychopaths exist amongst us, human predators that walks around and grabs people and use them and throw them out, used, and maybe stalk them afterwards and so on. There are human predators amongst us. And psychopathic people are often very charismatic. They are excellent speakers. They're convincing. They are having illusions of of self-grandeur and have no regard for for anyone else. And and he will try really to punish those people who have been under his spell. He will try to punish them afterwards by stalking them, by talking badly about all these things. There is the possibility that you've simply come upon a human predator. And I wouldn't know. Because do the psychopaths know that he's a psychopath? I'm not sure. How weird is that? Okay. I just, I, I had to put that in there because that's... He's pretty much saying he's a psychopath. Right? How weird is that? Like, why are you bringing that up? I don't, I don't know. It's very weird. Very, does it, yeah, it's like, are you talking about yourself? He totally was. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, something I haven't told you about Peter is that he's a psychopath. Lay it on me. But we all know that, right? Yeah. So <laughs> prior to Kim boarding the Nautilus, Peter had Googled things like, quote, girl, 
agony, which I think he meant agony, and beheading. Um, it also, some, something, I don't know how true it was, it came out that before she boarded the um, submarine that he had Googled, like, young girl in pain being beheaded. Like, an actual video of it. So, just weird. So, other women came forward stating that he was trying to get them alone on the submarine, but they all, like, declined. Thank God. There are some texts that were found sent from Peter. I'm not exactly sure who these were sent to, but they're just weird. So one of them said, I'm just a perverted Polly with a dream of a taboo free place where all adults in their right mind can do to each other whatever they want. The next one said, sick, perhaps, but there is no cure. The next one said, I'll tie you up and pierce you with a skewer. The next one said, then the hobby knife comes out and I look at your throat. Where is the artery? Uh, the next one was, you are going to be tied up against the Nautilus. And the last one was says, I have a murder plan ready as a great pleasure. So just weird. <laughs> just weird. Weird. I mean, he's just, he's, he's, like he's out there with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So one of the photos of Peter after getting back to land after the submarine sank, there's like clearly like blood on his nose. And I don't know if it's like dried blood from what he had done or I don't know if it's Kim like I don't know maybe trying to fight back or something but it's clearly you can clearly see it I'll try to post a picture of it so you have to you might have to like scroll into it and see it but it's just it's kind of weird but on um on January 16th 2018 Peter was charged with first degree murder indecent handling of a corpse and sexual assault like this murder was obviously totally premeditated <laughs> he was deemed a narcissistic psychopath who lacked empathy you can all you can tell that for sure first right yeah absolutely while in court he kept stating that he couldn't go back home to his cats after what he had done he's like sprinkles man i'm sorry for what i did so sorry i can't see you anymore <laughs> like what what is your cat like you're talking about yourself so much you just murdered a fucking woman and their family is grieving and you're talking about your cats dude fucking stupid so the story doesn't end here though on October 20th, 2020, Peter escaped prison. Oh, shit. He had made a pistol-like object and a belt that looked like it made contain like bombs. And he threatened the guard with it. And the guard just let him go. Damn. Yeah. So he was, what if eventually he was found outside like a residential area. And after bomb experts moved in on him, they found everything to be fake, obviously. And he was sent back to prison. He received an additional 21 months, but it was not added to his life sentence, but can play a role if a probation request was ever made. Hearing her mom talk about um, this picture that they would actually, her whole the four of them, you know, mom, dad, Kim, and her brother Tom, and their dog, they would take a picture every single year in this one spot, like in their little garden in their front yard, and hearing her mom just talk about how they'll never have that again, which it's just heartbreaking. And they actually have all these, these photos on like the wall outside of her, um, Kim's childhood bedroom. So it's a little it's, it's sad to hear that, but here's a audio from a video titled a message from Kim Wall's family. And they're, it's their whole family just talking about Kim. It's about four minutes long, but just, I just wanted to play it. Cause you know, she lost her life for no reason and deserve to hear about her life from her family. Definitely. It was here, on the shores of the Baltic Sea, that Kim Wall grew up. It was here that she played as a kid, building tree houses, collecting pebbles on the beach, and walking the family dog. But the big world attracted her. The many trips abroad the family made during her growing up years gave Kim an appetite and curiosity for human beings on other continents. 
After graduating her international baccalaureate, 19 years old, Kim prepared herself for a life with the whole world as her playing field. Studies at Sorbonne in Paris, London School of Economics, and dual master degrees at Columbia University in New York made her ready. She worked as a trainee for the European Union in Delhi, India, the Swedish Embassy in Canberra, Australia, and for South China Morning Post in Hong Kong. Kim was particularly focused and determined. Raised in a family of journalists, she was well aware of the advantages and disadvantages of the profession. But there was never any doubt. There were so many stories that Kim would have liked to tell. So many fates that she would have liked the world to hear about. Her ambition took Kim to different parts of the globe. She reported on war tourism in Sri Lanka, the torture chambers of Idi Amin in Uganda, and the ruthless exploitation of environment and people in the South Pacific. But Kim also told us about her fascination with stories that fell through the cracks of news, about IKEA's entry into China, a woman's march for justice. She found stories wherever she traveled. No effort was saved for telling those stories. Kim had a unique ability to see the human being, and she had a genuine interest to tell his or her story. She did it with great warmth and empathy. At the same time, she kept her journalistic integrity. Kim had this special ability to write a story that could leave the reader spellbound. I see water, I see sand, I see vegetation. All of this will be destroyed by climate change. 30 years old, Kim was on her way to establishing herself at the top tier of journalism. She talked about this a great deal during her final summer. After years of effort, hardship and sacrifice, she was on the verge of taking a new leap. In front of her waited a year in Beijing, together with the love of her life. Kim was happy. The future was bright. There were no clouds shrouding her horizon. Before Kim disappeared, the family gathered to take the yearly family picture. We've done so for 30 years, always in the same spot here in our garden. All these pictures are on the wall outside Kim's childhood room. There are space for many, many more, but there won't be any more pictures. Kim won't come back to us. We will let her soul and spirit live on, and we will do that through Kim Wall Memorial Fund. That will help other young journalists to keep up the good work in Kim's spirit. That we owe her. To end the episode, I have a quote from Kim in 2013 when it came to her work, her journalism. It said, quote, although so much has changed so quickly, one thing has remained constant. There is still no substitute for real reporting. 
Now is a strange time to become a journalist, but I'm just so excited, unquote. So yeah, just so sad that, you know, we don't get to hear what she loved to do and, you know, you know, read all these articles that she would write and get all into it. And, but you can actually find some of her older articles that she did. I actually found some online. So that's the murder of Kim Wall. Crazy enough, though, in November of 2011, Peter actually, he was married when all this happened. He got married at Copenhagen City Hall, but they had like an open relationship. So I guess, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I read. But um, the, after his arrest, immediately she divorced him. But she never revealed herself to the public. And I oh, do shit. not blame her. So yeah, I don't know who she is. So yeah. Um, one thing I was also thinking, though, was like, this motherfucker planned this out to the point where it's like, she's going to be on this thing alone. She has nowhere to run if he's like attacking or whatever. She yeah. has she's no way to call anybody. There's no service or anything. It was just like, how terrifying to think that he did this, like completely underwater where no one's going to see yeah, this kind of stuff. Or like, here. Or here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's terrifying. But um, last thing I thought it was super cute. A lot of her pictures and videos, which I'm going to post, um, she's always throwing up the peace sign. And I just thought it was cute. Like in almost every single video. So on October 11th, 2017, friends and family held a vigil to honor her life and work at the Columbia Journalism School. And they all took a, they all have like these sticks and it's like a paper made little peace sign and they're all holding it. Oh, that's awesome. I just thought it was super cute just to remember her. So that's, uh, that's the case this, this week. Pretty crazy, right? There's so many twists and turns. Yeah, And this guy's sure. such a piece of shit. Such totally. a piece of shit. But there's. And a fucking idiot. Oh, To absolutely. claim he's so fucking smart and everything. Mm-hmm. And what he does. Yeah. And he's just, he's an idiot. For sure. Yeah. They even came out and said like, he, they were trying to look into other criminal cases that he may have been involved in. Cause they're like, how is this your first like murder? But I don't think anything's really come out about that. But, but yeah, he is a fucking idiot. <laughs> I hate him. He's so stupid. Ugh, hope he rots in prison. But thanks for listening, everybody. Rate, review, tell a friend. Give us case suggestions at gruesomeandnatural at gmail.com. I'm always looking for cases that you guys are interested in and want to hear. So please send them in to me. And thanks for listening until next Monday. Stay safe and be aware.